Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. But I do want to uh, get into today. I'm uh, sorry for the little bit of waffle. I'm just so excited because next week is our one-year anniversary. Yeah. And I, as a church planter, just to let you in, one of the things that you kind of hear when you're church planting is that the first year is the worst year of your life. And I, it's kind of like when you have a baby in the first few weeks, it's just like you don't remember it because it's been suppressed by your, by your, by your psyche. It's like we will never go there again. And apparently most, most mums, like the first few months, they forget. Uh, sorry, they, 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 they're like never again. And then you kind of get through that phase and then your brain kind of pushes it down and then you get into the place where you start to enjoy your child. Like, I need another one. And that's how it works. And, and so same thing with church planting apparently. But no, the thing is that we've had an amazing because great things has been happening in this church. Uh, so just to, you know, throw a few little tidbits out, our church has doubled in the last year. It has, in terms of the number of people attending, in terms of the number of people that have called Lift Home, we have more than double, which is really exciting. And, and, and with that, we had 33 people over the last year uh, respond to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whether it's a rededication or, or just a response or, or some genuine first time never said that prayer before people that are saying, I want God in my life. And, and even more excitingly to me is that we have five baptisms at the start of our year and, and, and we're going to be doing more baptisms when the when the war, when the water when the weather warms up and and it's going to be exciting because baptism to us is a key measure that God is doing something in this place and so we're really excited about that we've got uh, uh, lift groups that are, uh, are doing so amazingly and you know what right, right now can we just thank all of our lift group leaders and just thank our lift group leaders they put in a crazy amount of effort to make community happen and, and we love you guys we appreciate you guys you're a big part of lift not just survive but thriving um, over the last year and and so yeah it's great great to look back and so we want to celebrate with everyone next week uh, we've got a few different things planned and we're going to do the big momentum offering reveal next Sunday so we are if you ask us during a week we're just going to be like not not telling you all right you you, you don't get to know it until next Sunday. So if you want to know how much we as a church raise together, you have to come next week. And, and it's not really a have to when Shelly is baking three cakes. Just saying. We've got three cakes next week. So, so have your cheat day on Sunday next week. Just a little tip. Um, um, make sure that you eat clean for Monday to Saturday so that you can help us finish those three cakes. Um, because they are going home with you if we don't finish it. Um, and we are on week three and our final week of our Momentum series. And I've been really enjoying this um, because it's something that God's just un un unwrapping in my life as well. And I hope that it's been really practical, even though I was hoping that this series would be way more practical than what I've dished up for you guys. I was hoping to go, all right, each week I give you a step, and then by week three you're going to all be flying and doing this amazing stuff. But I really felt God challenging me to put forward messages about how we see momentum and growth in our lives. And this week's not going to be any different, and we're going to talk about the scorecard. How do you know that you have been successful? How do you know that you're actually growing? How do you know that you're achieving something in your life? 
You know, God loves us to, to grow, and in particular, something that the Bible constantly throws out as a word for, for success is the word fruitful. I don't know why, but God really loves agriculture. And, and so uh, we were hearing this message one day, and the, and the pastor put out this thought, that if you want to make anything sound spiritual, you just throw in an agricultural term. You don't invest, you, you sow, you, 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 don't, you don't get paid, you, 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 you reap. And in the same way, you don't grow, you, you be fruitful. And, and it is this amazing agricultural richness in our Bibles. And, and, and God loves us to be fruitful. If you look through the Bible, there's this constant theme in the Bible book after book, author after author, it talks about how God desires for us to be fruitful. Right in Genesis 1 verse 28, God spoke to the first human beings and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now the fruitfulness for them was having lots of kids, which is a, a, a great fun, but for us we can still see that God, right at the start, he didn't want people to be, to be barren, to be uh, stuck, to be stagnant, to not be able to achieve right at the start in the heart of people. He speaks this mission, be fruitful, multiply. And then we get to Jeremiah 29, 11, and we all love this. God has a plan and a purpose to prosper us, to cause us to be We're getting there. We'll get there, guys. Everyone have like a late night? Was there something called Olympics going on? It's like speed walking. Um, fruitful. God desires us to be fruitful. And then we come to John 15, which we are going to be unpacking in a moment. And, and Jesus actually tells his disciples that fruitfulness brings glory to God. God doesn't actually want to withhold fruitfulness from you. God desires you to be fruitful. But somehow, I think in our lives, we are not always that fruitful, are we? There are times and seasons where it feels like we are stagnant. Do you know what I mean? No one, I'm the only person that's a human being. You're all like righteous liars um, in this place. You, you know what I mean? You're like, man, God's put his dream on my heart. And it takes you a hundred years to get there. You know, he, he says, uh, I'm going to promise you that promise, that healing, that, that child, that, that job, that, that opportunity, whatever it is. And it feels like it takes you a hundred years to get there. And in the process of not getting there, you, you, you experience something called disappointment. Anyone ever been disappointed before? Disappointed, disappointment is a feeling of sorrow and an expectation not being met. That's a dictionary definition. It's this feeling of sorrow and an expectation not being met. And, and I think when, when I gave you the stats of how our church has been going at the start, it makes it seem like the last year has been absolutely smooth sailing. We've grown by 100%, so that means that every month we grew by 8.5%. And then so it just tracks along nicely and it builds and we were fruitful every single month and we got to the year and we got to where we want to be. That wasn't the case at all. 
it was this up and down. There were moments where we were like, people are leaving, people hate us, we don't know whether we're doing the right thing. And that's all in the first year. This kind of stuff happens all the time. We look at people that are putting up pictures on Instagram of their uh, uh, fruitfulness, but we don't understand that there has been a year, two years, five years, ten years for them to get to that place, and we get disappointed. We're like, why is my expectation not being met? And through all of that, God taught me something. God taught me that if we put the wrong uh, uh, scorecard to our season, we are always going to be disappointed. Beck and I have this mandarin tree in our house. My parents uh, uh, planted it. I find it quite interesting that my Singaporean Chinese parents planted a mandarin tree. Um, so that we could have little mandarins. It's like maybe it's their substitute kids, a little mandarin. You get it? No one gets it? I'm just trying to get you guys warmed up. It's like you're not doing anything. So, so we have this mandarin tree, and I know we mentioned this before, but Beck and I are terrible gardeners. We, we hate our garden. We, we, we don't do anything. And, and so we don't know when, um, what season mandarin trees are meant to fruit. We, we, we don't. So it came to summer, and most things bloom in spring or summer. And by summer, our tree had no fruit. And I genuinely thought that we had killed it. Because it is not, it's not something that is far-fetched to us. We, we kill every living thing um, that, that comes to live with us. Ask Reese. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Reese lived with us for a year. He's not a plant. He's still alive. Um, and, and, and so we genuinely thought, what is wrong with this tree? Or what have we done to it? Our expectation for fruit uh, in spring and summer was not being met. And therefore, we assumed that the tree was never going to give us fruit. We assumed that the tree was now dead. We assumed that there was nothing going on with the tree. And so to our surprise, when it came to autumn, winter, which apparently is when mandarin trees give fruit. You know, Chinese people just had to be different. So, 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 so they give fruit in the wrong season, in my opinion. It's like, God, but at the same time, I heard that it fruits in that time because it gives us vitamin C for, for winter and keeps us, there you go. So, so God had a plan in it, but I wasn't, I wasn't in with the plan. I had the wrong scorecard for the wrong season for my mandarin tree. And what it brought me was disappointment. It brought me disappointment. And so many of us expect our lives to follow a trajectory that is uh, predictable, that is understandable, that is nice, that produces fruit all the time. But how many of us know that that's not the way that life works? You know, Ecclesiastes 3 uh, says this. I've got it somewhere. Where are you? It says, for everything there is a, a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. So it stands to reason that there are going to be times of fruitfulness, but there are also going to be other seasons that fruitfulness is not on the agenda. And what we need to do as Christians, as people, as human beings, is to have the right scorecard matched up with the right season so that we don't get disappointed. And I'm going to let you know why disappointment is such a, a, a key thing that we need to deal with. And we're going to go to John 15, 1 to 11. Um, we're gonna, not going to read everything in there. 
Now go read it, and I'll give you the context of this. This was Jesus' last conversation with his disciples before he was about to die. And the disciples didn't understand that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead and he was going to come back to them. So technically speaking, for them, this could have been like the last stuff that Jesus was talking to them about. And these 12 disciples were being given a mission to accomplish all that God had started doing through Jesus. A very big mission. Anyone agree with that? Twelve people are supposed to change the whole flipping world. Big deal. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus is saying to them, I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you, unless you abide in in." In me, yes. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When we read that, we read fruit, 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 fruit. Great stuff. Love it. But the thing is that in this, in, in this passage, we see three different seasons um, that, that we go through. There's a season of productivity where we actually are producing fruit. But there are two other seasons uh, that is not necessarily as visibly fruitful as a harvest season. And we need to understand how to deal with those seasons because what Jesus is saying is that we need to constantly be abiding in him. Following me so far? And so when I was looking at this word disappointment, something was, uh, struck me about it. Uh, the, the word disappointment is made out of a prefix dis and then appointment. The prefix dis means the negative of. It means the lack of. So disappointment, even though when we put it together as a word, it does mean that the, the, the feeling of mourning something that is not meeting expectation, it's interesting that it actually means also a lack of appointment. A lack of appointment. When we are disappointed, we have the negative of the appointment. And what God was putting on my heart is that many of us go through disappointment. And when we are disappointed, what that looks like is that we remove ourselves from the place of appointment with Him. We disconnect when we are disappointed. And it makes sense, doesn't it? If God has promised you something and you haven't seen the fruit of it, you disengage. You say, why hasn't that happened yet? Why has this promise lay dormant for this season? Why have you not brought my healing? Why have you not brought my breakthrough? Why have you not brought the thing that you know is going to help me to achieve? When we see disappointment in our lives, it helps us to disappoint ourselves from God. But at the same time, the Bible teaches us that unless we are abiding, unless we keep our appointment with God, we are not able to bear fruit. 
And so there is this cycle when we disappoint ourselves from God, we stop getting the life flow from God, and it ends up that we are getting less and less fruit in our lives, and we still keep blaming God because of the lack of fruit in our lives, leading to more disappointment and more distance between us and God. And the truth is that I see this constantly in people. When people are disappointed, they always keep themselves from God. They always push themselves away from God. And when that happens, you can see them wither and and just shrivel up into this this self-serving, self-seeking person. And it makes sense because they feel like they cannot trust God to give them what they need. So disappointment is something that we need to guard against. Disappointment is something that every Christian is going to battle with at some point in their lives. And the way that we battle disappointment is to have the right scorecard for the right season. And so I'm going to teach you the two other seasons that we have to go through in our lives. And I'll teach you how to have the right scorecard for those two seasons. Excited? Cool. You guys are slowly warming up. I'm getting really warm now. Those lights are on me, and it's, it's actually burning up in here. But uh, uh, the, the first season that we need to, to, to understand is that there is a pruning season. There's a productivity season. How many people like the productivity season? Who loves a pruning season? Righteous liars. I love the righteous liars in this church. We have pruning, and, and the thing is that when we think about pruning in our lives, we, we think about the bad habits that God's trying to deal with. All right? Laziness, um, not able to keep our finances in order, not able to read the Bible, not able to be disciplined, sexual immorality, all this kind of stuff. We're like, yep, yep, I understand God needs to deal with that in my life. The thing about pruning is that if we look at what Jesus was saying, he said that every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. There is a pruning season that occurs in your life where God is taking away something that you believe is already strong. There are times in your life where God removes something that you believe is healthy, and that's when you get disappointed. Does that make sense? I'll give you a story. um, From my life, Uh, Beck and I were youth pastors uh, for, for about four years, I think. And, and, and we knew that it was going to be a short-term um, appointment, and we were supposed to raise the team, raise the youth group, and hand it off to the next person. It was supposed to be like a two-year gig. It ended up being a four-year gig. Six-months gig, and it ended up being like four years. Um, and, and so I enjoyed it, though. It was always a childhood dream to be a, a youth pastor for a season. Um, always good fun. We are looking at starting a youth group at some point in the future. So I love youth. And, and the thing about it, though, is that we knew that we were supposed to hand this off. And so uh, as a part of what I was thinking is that I want this team to be strong. I want to have a strong team to hand over to this next person. Because if I have a strong team, then this next person who takes over will have this strong team to be able to grow and to be able to sustain what was going on. And I don't know when this happened, but in my mind, I had this goal, this scorecard, that if I was able to get to 15 leaders, I would have a strong team. At that time, our youth group started off at around the 30 to 40 mark, and we were growing, and we started averaging mid-60s to maybe even 70. And in that time, 
that was actually a reasonably large youth group. Most youth groups average around 20 to 30 people. And so it was a reasonably large youth group, and, and we were seeing some success, and I was going out of my way to recruit people and to get them in. Makes sense, doesn't it? Good intentions, yeah? I want a strong team, and I want the next person to have a good team as well. Uh, but, but as things were going well, suddenly... I had all these, it was like one season where every single youth leader that I had, it felt, was coming to me saying that they needed to move on for a variety of reasons. Some, most of them stayed in the church and, and, and just moved on to different departments. They were just not uh, feeling like youth was part of their future. And I was like, God, what are you doing? I was building a strong team so that I can hand this off, give it to the next person so that they would be able to take this from strength to strength to strength. But now you are taking away my strength and you are messing with the plan. How many people hate it when God messes with the plan? (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. We hate it. And I was getting frustrated, and I found myself trying to persuade people to stay. I found myself trying to, like, uh, recruit even more people. It's like, you'll do, you breathe, you move, be a part of youth group. Not quite, but there was all these thoughts going through my mind. And I was just disappointed that all the things that I had put in, you know, I, I, I worked hard at this. I was trying to grow this team. I was trying to do this for God's glory, but he was diminishing my team, and therefore he was diminishing my strength, and I was stuck in a place of disappointment for a little while. And then God challenged my mindset, and he said to me, Nate, who told you that a big team is a strong team? And, and it was that moment I was like, I think it was you, God. <laughs> and how you kind of justify it, it's like, it's God. It sounds good enough to be something that God would say. So, um, but I had this moment where I was like, hang on. I see what God was doing. He was pruning back the team. And at the same time, the growth of the youth group, the, <laughs> and by the time we handed over the youth group, it was back down to the mid-30s again. And I'm not proud of that season. It's not something to brag about, but God was teaching me something. He pruned back the things that I thought were strong because I had begun to put strength and, and, and confidence in that rather than God. I started to think that Things were that easy and, and, and just putting things in place. So even though it bore some fruit, it wasn't strong enough to bear the more fruit that God had for it. And I needed to go through that season of pruning, allowing God to take away in order that God would be able to add strength to me. You see, if I continued to hold a mindset that God was actually against me for some reason, where God was taking away the fruit and therefore I was ineffective, I could have taken my value from the fact that the scorecard wasn't met. I could have lost the faith that the scorecard wasn't being met. And it was easy to disappoint myself from where God was going. I don't know, I can't remember exactly how I worked through that, but I just remember coming back to God and going, okay, how do you want this to happen? And I I learned through that, that many of us gone through a pruning season with the wrong scorecard will see what is going on as a setback. But what we don't understand is that God is setting us up for something else. I am stealing this from another pastor that talked about setbacks and setups. It's brilliant. I'm stealing it. It's good stuff. And, and, And the thing is that if you get the wrong scorecard, 
If you see it as a setback, you won't be able to work past it. But if you see it as a set up, then you start to partner with God. You reappoint yourself with God and allow him to work in that season and allow you to find that strength because he is setting you up for something more. Instead of seeing it as a setback, we need to ask ourselves, what is God setting me up for? And here are some questions that might help you uh, in processing the season. What is that thing of strength that I was putting my confidence in that God is taking away? Is it your finances? That was one of my things that I was having a lot of confidence in. And then God, I, I told you about this last week, God challenged my confidence in my personal finances and said, no, 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 your, your, your faith must be based on me as your provider. God's setting me up to know that no matter what happens in my finances, I have a God who provides. What is God setting you up for? He takes away the thing that you're confident in so that your confidence must be in Him alone. That is what is going on. But if you continue to place your faith and your confidence in that thing that you used to think gives you strength, you will see it as a setback. So my encouragement to you is to see how God is setting you up. But even after pruning, there is also another season before you can step into a productivity. And that other season is a season of preparation. Uh, in the Bible, we often just kind of gloss over because it just gives us in a couple of sentences, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. But how many of us know that, 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 that abiding in God doesn't bring you the fruit immediately? It's not like I'm going to push out another fruit in my life. It doesn't work that way. There's a season of waiting. There's a season of preparation. And again, in my life, giving you another story, all of this stuff God has really helped me with. Uh, uh, but when I was a younger uh, person in my early 20s, I, I was on staff at church, and, and I had this mindset that I was going to become one of the young pastors in our movement. I was so excited about it. And, and, and my senior pastor became a pastor at 21. And, and that, that was a goal that I had in my mind. And, and so for me, my expectation was that by the age of maybe I'm not as good as him, maybe 22, 23, God, make me a pastor then. It didn't happen. And uh, I, I, got, uh, I, I was on staff doing admin work. And I was doing all this admin work. And it was, I, at that first part, I was like, yep, yeah, I'll do this for six months. And Pastor Joel will see my value and worth. And then I'm going to be able to move on into greater things, into bigger things. Well, that didn't happen for another three years. And I continued in this journey, and I got more and more disappointed. I got disappointed because there was what I perceive as a delay. And now I can look back and tell you that what seems like a delay is often God's preparation in your life. But if you see it as a delay, you will go into the same place that I was. It's a dark place. It's an emotionally draining place. I even thought of quitting my job in that church, going on to a different church that would see my value, would give me the position. And looking back, I, I love that my pastor challenged me in this area and he spoke to me and I realized that I was placing value and worth in a position. I was placing value and worth in accolades, in public accolades, in how people saw me. But what God was preparing me for was that he was making me strong 
so that I wouldn't be swayed and moved by public opinion. In running a church like this, you will get people that come in and tell you how to run your church. So you need to do this, you need to do that. We already have people like that. They didn't stay because I didn't move. But, <laughs> but I didn't move because I had a season of preparation. I had a season where God was challenging me to see my value and worth in Him and what He was saying rather than what people said about me. Rather than becoming a people pleaser, God was preparing me to be a God chaser and to be a God pleaser. And quite often what's going on in a season of delay uh, is, is actually God is preparing you for more. I learned that when my security is in God, I have a greater capacity. When I'm trying to serve people, my capacity is going to be limited because I'm always changing in order to be able to fit with every person's image of who I should be. And so God was increasing my capacity. I saw it as delay. I saw it as God saw no value in me. I saw it as people thought that I was uh, uh, ineffective in what I was doing. But what God was saying is that you need to press on because your identity is being molded in this season. It is not a delay. It is preparation. And so we go through a season of pruning and we go through seasons of preparation and we can either see it as setbacks and delays or we can see it as God is pruning and preparing me because a season of productivity is coming. And when the season of productivity comes, it comes but it stops when your capacity stops. It stops when you are filled up and if you do not go through the pruning and if you do not go through the preparation, you will have a short productivity. You will have a short season of fruitfulness in your life. The thing is that you cannot be fruitful in every season, but you can still be achieving things. You can still see what God is doing inside of your life. So many Christians think that all that pastors want to see is a big smile, fake smile on their face saying, God is so good and he's doing all the good stuff in me. I hate going to some meetings where, where, where I see peers, pastors who are like me and all they can say about their church is, like, oh, it's so good. God is so good. They never struggle. They never go through this delayed. They never go through setbacks. They, 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 it's like everything is all hunky-dory. But that's not what the Christian life is like. The Christian life includes pruning. It includes preparation. It includes what looks like setbacks and it includes what looks like delays. But in those seasons, God is still doing something. And if we switch our minds to be able to recognize the right scorecard for the right season, I guarantee you that you will stop taking on the wrong opportunities. You will stop short-circuiting the plans and, and the things that God has for you. Young people, can I just talk to you for a moment? I know so many young people that have grabbed the first opportunity that looks good. And that's because you see yourself in delay. You see yourself in a place where someone is withholding something from you. That's not the case. God is simply preparing you for more. The longer your preparation, the larger your capacity. Get ready, get ready, get ready, because there's a season of productivity that is coming, and God is simply preparing you. When you're going through that pruning, come on, see that God is preparing you, because your branch is not strong enough to hold all the fruit that God wants for you. So come on, submit yourself to that season of pruning, so that when productivity comes, you know that you made the most out of it.
So many church pastors like me, we want our church to grow overnight. I want this place to be filled next week. I do. I sincerely do. But I also know that if that happens, we will lose half of them within the next week. We want the productivity, but we don't like submitting ourselves to the pruning or the preparation. But if we get the right scorecard, it allows us to stay in appointment with God. It allows us to sit in a place where we continue to receive the flow of what God is doing in our lives. Come on, Christian. We need to guard against disappointment. Come on, young person. You've been allowing disappointment to steal from your future, to steal from your momentum, to steal from the achievement that God has got for you. You're sticking around in the same circle because you're not submitting yourself to pruning and you're not submitting yourself to preparation. But the moment you do, your capacity is increasing. Seasonal productivity is coming. And then you will see the fruitfulness that God has set aside for you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.